Arizona Sports, Wolf and Luke. This is Behind Enemy Lines. Gathering intel on this week's Cardinals opponent from inside enemy base camp. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Your retirement is on the clock. Execute your game plan today by visiting canvasannuity.com. All right, final hour of the show as we head into the weekend, Wolf. You, you still with me over there? Yeah, no, I'm here. We're getting into the final hours, and then you kind of have to Getting a little jacked up right. on a Friday at 1 o'clock, of course. Got around the transistor. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line to go behind enemy lines is Mike Reese, the ESPN New England Patriots reporter, to give us perspective on the team the Cardinals will be facing on Monday night. Mike, you thank you. Uh, Thank you for the time. How are you doing? Doing great, Luke. Doing great, Ron. Uh, great to be with you. This uh, this Patriots team, at least on first glance, seems like a team that wins a lot of games with defense and just kind of gets by with offense outside of Ramondre Stevenson. How how close is that to the truth, or is there more to it than that? Well, I, I think that's very fair. I'm staring down at a sheet of paper in front of me right now with some notes on the offense. I'll just give you a couple uh, tied for last in the NFL. Red zone efficiency offensively, 25th in the NFL on third down, 28th in the NFL in terms of total first downs, 25th in the NFL in terms of sacks taken per pass play, 25th in the NFL in interception percentage, and an average of 4.17 penalties per game offensively, which is one of the highest totals, uh, maybe the highest total in Belichick's tenure. So offense has been a problem for the better part of the season, no doubt about it. You know, for me, I, I look at it and I think, has Mac Jones actually regressed? in year two? Very fair question, and it's hard to say that he hasn't. I think the, the greater question to me is, what are the factors around him that have contributed to that? And you go back to last year, the arrow was pointing up. He had Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator, and the two of them were tied at the hip. Every time you'd look at the sideline, you'd see Mac sitting there after a drive and McDaniels would be really you know left shoulder to right shoulder the two of them it was almost like they shared um you know a brain if you will and with Josh leaving it really set the wheels in motion um, you know, for significant change with coaching staff, with the offensive system, and Mac has just never uh, seemed to be as comfortable at, at really at any point this year than uh, compared to what we saw last year. Talking to Mike Reese, ESPN New England Patriots reporter. Mike, the the dynamic with Matt Patricia back in New England, but in a, a different role. What um what in your mind is 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 kind of what led to that? What was the thinking behind that? Because it is pretty unorthodox. Yeah, very much so. Um, so Matt Patricia, you know, I think everyone knows primary background is on defense, defensive coordinator, obviously was head coach of the Lions. And when Josh McDaniels leaves to become Raiders head coach, Bill Belichick has a decision to make. Like, how, what am I going to do here offensively um, in terms of replacing him? He felt like he didn't really have a traditional in-house candidate to sort of elevate up to that role. And he says to himself, well, you know, I got Matt Patricia here, you know, who I have a, a deep background with. I really respect him as a coach. I got Joe Judge back, the former Giants uh, head coach, who was a, more of a special teams coach when he was here in New England. I have these two guys 
in my, you know, under my roof here in, in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And, and I'm talking like Bill Belichick now. And my <laughs> philosophy is that it doesn't matter what position you coach. If I think you're a good coach, I can put you anywhere and we can make this work. And really, that's what this season's been about. It's been putting that philosophy on trial. It's exactly how I worded it back in training camp when everyone's saying, what is Bill doing? Like, if any other coach would do this, would, would almost say, like, have they lost their marbles? Like, what, what, is, what, is, what is he thinking? But because it's Bill Belichick, he has this great track record. You say to yourself, well, maybe he's on to something here. And to this point, it, it hasn't worked out. Look, they're still alive. Six and six have, have a, a slim chance of the playoffs. Maybe it turns around, but right now not doesn't seem to be headed in the right direction. No, it does. Mike, I have to ask you, because Bill, of course, used to be my head coach when I was playing for the Cleveland Browns back in 92 and 93. Um, what's it like working in and around Bill? I just love that connection, Ron. And I, I totally, I would, I would love to ask you like so many questions about that experience. Um, so I get the question a lot. And there's probably not enough time for me to sort of give you the detailed answer I'd love to. I, but, but here's what I would say, and, and I'm curious if you had the same experience back there. What I love about it is you're covering football at the highest level. I call it like the Ph.D. level. You know, like this is like I've learned more about the game yeah. just from listening to him and being around his teams. And obviously this year hasn't gone the way that they've hoped it would to this point. Um, but man, I mean, the majority of these 23 years he's been here, I mean, the high stakes games, the Super Bowl, the, all the things you've learned about it, it's, I always say to myself, the, I don't know if I would love what I do as much as I do if I, if I was covering a team that was at the flip, you know, the opposite end of that spectrum, you know? And so that's mm-hmm. sort of how I usually answer that question. And I would say, it isn't easy. He makes you work for everything. And in a way, you know, you can respect that. And in a way, there's some days where you're like, Man, you know, this is physically and mentally challenging. And I'm just and I'm not even playing Ron. You know what, Mike, I loved it, man. I love playing for him and one of the big reasons why I loved it is because if you did your job, he would leave you alone. He, you just, you know, he didn't try to motivate you. He didn't, he couldn't motivate a gnat to fly around a fruit bowl. So, you know, for mm-hmm. me, once again, I loved it at that point in my career. I love the fact he didn't try to do that. He just left you alone if you did your job. And I always appreciated that from him. Talking to Mike Reese, ESPN New England Patriots reporter. Uh, Mike, we were looking at this earlier. You know, the, the Cardinals last year made such a big deal of how they were going to prepare during the bye week to come out of it. And I just, I, I, you know, I wonder here, the Cardinals coming out of a bye, but the Patriots haven't played since, you know, last Thursday, and they're going to play on Monday. It's it's a mini bye, essentially. I, conventional wisdom would say that's not the best time to face a team coached by Bill Belichick because he's had a few extra days to look at your team. Luke, I would throw that out the window, though. I mean, this year has been just totally different, you know, and and all those like things in the past that you would say about the Patriots, like, oh, they don't beat themselves, like, yeah, throw it out the window. You know, they have beat themselves. Uh, They're excellent in situational football, you know, two minute uh, offense. I got to throw it out the window. Watching them the last couple weeks, they've actually mismanaged their timeouts in those situations. And it's not not to sound harsh. I just try to give you like the, the accurate reflection of what we've seen so far. Not that it's been all bad. You know, defensively, they've done some good things against some quarterbacks that probably you would say aren't in the upper, you know, echelon of the league, if you will. But 
Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I guess I sort of look at that, you know, long week of preparation and, and I don't think it's a huge factor as we approach this matchup Monday night. Mike, is there a type of quarterback that gives the Patriots defense issues? Yes. Um, the, anyone that's last name is, uh, Jackson for Lamar Jackson. Uh, anyone who is, uh, call it, I guess we could call it Rogers, you know, week four with, with the Packers, uh, Allen, you know, Buffalo. Um, is it more, is it more Josh Allen running with the ball as well as yeah, throwing yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're saying. I was I was going to get around to the fact that the, the quarterbacks who can run, very much like Kyler, um, have given them problems. And so, you know, the, the interesting part about it is when you look at their best performances, I mean, two of them against Zach Wilson, one of them against Sam Ellinger of the Colts, and those guys aren't starting right now. Justin Fields, remember that Monday night game? Mm-hmm. October 24th, if you were all watching out there, Justin Fields ran wild on him. So definitely, Ron, like to answer that one, mm-hmm. it's the quarterbacks who can run that have given them the most problems. Mike, we appreciate the time. Great Thank insight, you, buddy. Man. Thank you. It's awesome. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Okay, man. That's uh, ESPN Thank you, Mike. Patriots reporter Mike Reese joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Can you, can you imagine if, if next year Cliff Kingsbury is like, okay, we're going to make some changes. Vance Joseph's going to be my offensive coordinator. People would lose their minds. Would be. People would lose their minds. People are losing their minds right now anyway around here about this. Uh, all right, when we come back, they're going to need him to be the at his absolute best when they uh, if they were going to get where they want to go. When will Chris Paul get back to being Chris Paul? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, if you think back to the first round of the playoffs last year, see, I don't want to over-dramatize this, Wolf, but I'm going to anyway. Because we just haven't seen Chris Paul much this year, right? And you would agree that Chris Paul didn't look like Chris Paul against the Mavericks after a certain point in that series. The last time that we have seen Chris Paul truly look like the great version of Chris Paul was in that first round series against tonight's opponent, the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, and now we see him finally back in the lineup the other night. But it does raise the question, that was his first game back after a month, that you can't really judge anything from that game because the Suns across the board were miserable. But uh, but how long are we going to have to wait till we get to see Chris Paul being the true Chris Paul that we saw the first two years here? Yeah, no, that is a great question right there, Luke. And I will say this right here. Um, it got me thinking about last year. And, of course, we know the injury situation that happened to Chris Paul last year. Um, he was. He, he Janu- I think it was February, as a matter of fact. February the 20th was his last game. And then, of course, he got hurt. And he came back in um, 324, as a matter of fact. March 24th is when he came back. He came back and he shot 6 of 10 from the field. He scored 17 points. He had 13 assists. He looked like Chris Paul. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. When he came back. 
So, you know, once again, um, that's why I had the full expectation that he was going to look like Chris Paul when he came back. Well, so, okay, take take it one step further. If you had that expectation on Wednesday, but then nobody really showed up to that game, it is harder to look like Chris Paul when, when none of your teammates are... I don't know what happened on Wednesday night. Uh, I don't think the Suns fully know what happened. Um, if you had that belief on Wednesday, I'm assuming the rest of the team shows up to the game tonight. Are you carrying that expectation into tonight? The Chris Paul, okay, here we go. You've had a game back. Every time here Chris Paul, yeah, every time Chris Paul takes the floor, I expect to see Chris Paul. And I realize um, people are building a case in regard to when he turned 37, and he did <laughs> turn 37, That's of course, weird. in that Maverick series, and has not really looked like himself ever since he turned 37. No, and it's ridiculous to say that. This is a guy that was yeah. averaging what fifteen points a game last year, and you talk about those games against the Pelicans in the first round. They don't get out of the first round without Chris Paul last year, and I don't mean that of okay. Well, you know he had a couple he had a couple big shots. No, he dragged them through that series at certain points. And you're right though. He, his birthday hits. What was it? Game three. I'm trying to remember, man. I think it was against Dallas, and all of a sudden, I mean, even this year when he when he played at the start of the season before he got hurt. His average points per game last year was 15. His high this year is 16. He hit one. Yeah. You know, it's not all about scoring with Chris Paul. Right. He can still distribute. But we haven't seen Chris Paul, and it's been for a bunch of different circumstances, injuries and, and the offseason or whatever, but we haven't seen Chris Paul look like Chris Paul consistently since the last time they, the, the Suns played New Orleans in the playoffs. Okay, so how much of that do you think actually factored into, I don't know, Monty Williams and James Jones sitting down with Chris Paul and having a very serious conversation about where they were going? How much of that had to do with that? Again, this is pure speculation on my part, even though Chris Paul did intimate that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They sat down and talked about it and discussed what needed to be done. Um, you know, this this is probably it right now for Chris Paul. This is something that I'm not talking about him being done now. But like the window to win a title. The window to win a title. You've been talking about this over and over and over again. I don't know if you've actually uh, enunciated it the way that I just did. But for me, it's like, okay, this is the window. The Chris Paul window is here, right? I think we all agree on that, yeah, most of us. Because if you if you have this conversation and you say, okay, yeah, the Suns window doesn't close this year, what if what if campaign, you know, becomes that heir apparent to, to Chris Paul, you know, within reason. We're not expecting him to be Chris Paul. Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. But, you know, you're going to have Devin Booker. You're either going to have DeAndre Ayton or you're going to trade him in a couple months and you're going to get something, I would assume, big back. You're going to have Mikel Bridges. Maybe the Suns window doesn't have to close this year. That's the goal, right? But as far as Chris Paul's window, right. to, to, for him in his career, both before the Suns and now, for if he's ever going to get that ring, it's probably this year. Yes. And it, it, certainly if he's ever going to get a ring where he's playing a big, big role in it. And so it's been, yeah, I, I, I don't think that he's necessarily dropped off just because of the way last season ended and because we haven't seen a lot of him this year. But I understand if you're a Suns fan and you're like, is it realistic to expect Chris Paul to be 
amazing the way he was the first two years here going forward. Maybe he's taken a small step down. He's still an excellent player. Sure. I understand if people have that thought because we just haven't seen him play much this year. Yeah, you know, once again, that's the reason why I said the Chris Paul window and not the Suns window, per se. The Chris Paul window, the reason why I say that, obviously, is because of his age. And everybody, at some point in time, gets hit with the age factor. And Chris Paul um, is a human being, Ron Wolfley reporting, and because he's a human being and not a computer chip, it's going to impact him at some point in time. And I think we're all possibly seeing that impact right now. I think Chris would probably tell you himself that he's feeling like, hey, listen, this, it's, you know, two years down the road, three years down the road, man, I'm talking about this year. I'm sure Chris Paul is hyper-focused on this year. I, and I think we're also kind of dancing around the, the real question here, too, of, you know, if if Chris Paul is good, if, if you know, this, this season goes on, he's a really good player, is that enough for the Suns to win the title? I'm, I'm assuming most Suns fans view this season the way I do and the way you're talking about right there of... You're in a title window. You should everything should be geared towards winning the title. That poll question earlier today: Should you go all in and make a trade? You know, for as big of a name as you can. Yeah, because you're trying to win the title. You're it, it's it's a realistic conversation. It may not feel like it this week, but it is. It's a realistic conversation. Can they win the whole thing if Chris Paul is just good? Because Chris Paul has been great his entire career, right. and he was great last year, and he was great the year before for the Suns, especially in some big games. Yeah, he was great. There's no denying that. I, I don't know what to say. I do know this. I respect the guy greatly. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is it right now. If you're realistically looking at the Suns' chances with Chris Paul to win a championship, this this is it, man. And that's the reason why I think we're going to see an acknowledgement of that come the trade deadline. I think we're going to see James Jones go all in on that. Uh, this is Devin Booker after the game Wednesday. I credit Book for, for going out there and talking after that game because it was not a fun one to have to talk about. He said, okay, yeah, limited minutes for Chris Paul in that first game back, but according to Book, he looked good. He looked good, and you know, talking to him after the game, he felt good, most importantly. You know, coming off any injury, no matter how much time you take off, you know, you're going to be a little hesitant, you know, getting back into it, but he said he was pain-free, didn't feel anything, and he's ready to go, so that's good news. I remember last year when, when Chris Paul got hurt and Devin Booker's like, I just saw him in the locker room, he's fine, yeah. and then he missed like a month yeah, thank you, Book. Appreciate that. Dr. Book. Yeah, missed a month and then came back and had 13 assists, which is exactly why I thought he was going to come back, play 30 minutes, and have 13 uh, Maybe assists. he will tonight. That yeah, is maybe, not the case. Maybe he will, but it's it's going to be tough sledding against the uh, the Pelicans and, and specifically Willie Green, knowing knowing uh, knowing what Chris Paul likes and what Chris Paul does not like. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, is Monday's game the sort of game the card defense can steal for them. Will they have to? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leaders. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We've seen it a couple times this season, Wolf. It was, you know, coming into the the Cardinals season. 
Everybody expected the defense to be the weakness and the offense to be the way they were going to win games. And you make a pretty strong case that any game the Cardinals have won this season has been in large part because of the defense and what they have done. You know, the defense struggled in the first half against the Raiders, but they shut them down in the second half. That allowed Kyler Murray uh, to go off and, and have that, that highlight reel fourth quarter in overtime. Held Carolina to 16 points. Not the hardest thing in the world to do, as it turns out, but still, they did it. Uh, give up 34 against New Orleans in that win, but also scored a couple touchdowns, so I think it all evens out. And then against the Rams uh, in that win on November 13th, they held L.A. to 17 points. Again, not the hardest thing to do, maybe, but there's other games the defense has played really well, and they haven't even won. You know what's so amazing about just listening to you right there? I, there was only four wins? No, the oh. thought of Kyler Murray going off in the second half against the Raiders. Uh, I I can't remember a player going off to that degree in a half, whether it was the first half or the second half, going off like that, um, that had so much to do with winning a game mm-hmm. as Kyler Murray. That, that was a game you pointed to and you say, that is a Kyler Murray win. And how many games have we been able to say that? It's funny you say that because just kind of looking at the schedule and having it visually in front of me, that was the second week of the season, okay? Yep. So you came out, you played the Chiefs in the opener, and you got steamrolled. But, you know, in the back of your mind, everybody knows the Chiefs are a really good team. It's going to be tough, Yeah, that doesn't mean that your season's over. For them to flip the switch in the second half of that second game of the season and for Kyler to look like, like you said, almost an unstoppable force. Yes. That might be the last time this season where I've really felt like, all right, here we go. Like All bets are off. This team could do what they did last year, but they came out and put up 12 against the Rams, and it was just kind of back and forth, and then it was win one, lose two, and that's the pattern they've fallen into. That Raiders game feels like what Monday should be. You know what I mean? It feels like, okay, if the defense holds the Patriots to like 20, 23 points, which everybody we've had on to talk about the Patriots has basically implied that's going to happen, it feels like that should be enough for Kyler Murray to just win a game. The Patriots, everybody we have talked to from New England has said they have a hard time with running quarterbacks. Yeah, no. Yeah, we we did have that conversation, and I think you can see it on tape as well, but it's very interesting. Over the last five games, the New England Patriots offense has averaged 18 points. 18 points a game. It's not great. You, you get to 20 somehow, some way, you should beat them, right? Uh, at least from a statistics perspective. But um, 20.8 points per game for the Patriots offense right now. And so much of that has got to do with Ramondre Stevenson and running the football. And even though they're not good at it, okay, I mean, number 23 and number 25, respectively, in rushing yards per game and rushing yards per play. That's what the Patriots are. And yet, you watch Ramondre Stevenson, and you're wondering, how is that possible? When I said that sentence about 23 and 25, how is that possible when you've got a guy like Ramondre Stevenson, who has almost 750 yards rushing right now? He's going to go well over 1,000 yards rushing, and not only that, he's very, very good coming out of the backfield and getting the ball as well. This is going to be job one for the Arizona Cardinals defense, is to stop Stevenson. And anytime you talk about that, you got to talk about the point of attack, J.J. Watt, and you also have to talk about the second level, Zayvon Collins. Those two guys right there 
largely responsible. Now, they can't do it alone, of course. You've got to have gap integrity, but largely responsible, I think, to being a disruptor, J.J. Watt, and then a guy who can finish, a finisher, Zayvon Collins. So if J.J. Watt can just be disruptive enough to really take his eyes off where they're trying to attack and force Stevenson to go somewhere else and then have Zayvon Collins actually make a tackle, those two guys in particular are going to be key in the box. This is Buda Baker talking specifically about Ramondre Stevenson yesterday. I mean, on tape is, honestly, for me, it's like on tape is what I'm going to see on the field. You know, a guy who is rarely getting tackled by one person, um, second-year player that, of course, Bill Belichick even said good things about, which you don't really hear Bill Belichick say. So, of course, a guy that we know um, is a leading target in rushing, leading target in receiving as well. So a guy that we know is going to be heavily into the game plan and a guy we're going to have all 11 that needs to get to him because he's a he's a big dude, you know, 240-plus. Uh, I don't know how tall he is, but I know once I see 240 and once I watch the film and see guys shine away from tackles and D-line and missing tackles on him, I know what type of player he is. So definitely a guy I'm going to be excited to uh, you know try to tackle. And, of course, with me, I'm going to have to definitely have to wrap up. So, uh, you know, he's a great running back and excited to play him on Monday. I love Buddha's logic there of somebody on Bill Belichick's own team that he's talking up. That is pretty a, <laughs> it's a pretty strong sign that that guy's a pretty good player. Yeah. If run to the ball. Run to the ball. That's something that you hear defensive coordinators at every level, man. Doesn't matter if you're playing flag football. Doesn't matter if you're playing high school football, college football, whatever it may. Run of the ball. Run of the ball. Rally to the football. Run of the ball. And the reason being is because of what Booty just said. Rarely do you see one guy bring down Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Run it's, to the ball. He, he is kind of one of those. He's... He's not flying under the radar as much now as he was earlier this season. But when you talk about like borderline elite running backs, look, we always talk about Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor after the the season he had last year, and, and Christian McCaffrey. Some of these, but like Ramondre Stevenson is getting there, and you don't typically think of a Patriots running back being like that. We asked Scott Zolak earlier when, when last time they had a running back like this, and he said Curtis Martin. Mm-hmm. It's been a while <laughs> since Curtis Martin was uh, was was doing what he did. Uh, I have in my hand notes. Maloney did more research than either one of us for the show. Okay. This is the Cardinals that coming out of a bye week in the Cliff Kingsbury era. Because remember how big of a deal Cliff made about this last year? Remember they went and they like tried to figure out what the Buccaneers had done coming out of the bye weeks? Yeah. Um, they won coming out of the bye last season, uh, but the, the previous two years with Cliff, they lost coming out of the bye. And their record each of these years, 2-3 and three after the bye in 2019, 3-6 uh, and six in 2020, and 2-4 and uh, last season. Now, they only have, <laughs> they have a couple games left this season because the bye was so late. But you can look and you can say Bill Belichick and the Patriots had a week and a half to prepare for the Cardinals. And we just had Mike Reese on, and he said maybe he could throw that out this year because they make their own mistakes in New England this year. But the Cardinals are going to have had over two weeks to get ready for this game after that Chargers loss. Yeah, no, it's um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens here because of the veterans. I've talked about this for the last few days, but I really do believe it. And there, There's a lot of flexibility on this roster, a lot of fluidity, I might say, on this roster where you have guys that um, want to be back here next year. 
there's no doubt. Will they be back next year? I have no idea. But guys that want to be back with the Arizona Cardinals, and then you have guys that don't want to be. You have guys that want to go somewhere else. That happens with every team. But when you got a five-game finite window, it's not like they're thinking we're going to the playoffs. It really, it is not. Is there still an opportunity to somehow, some way, get, get into the playoffs? Yes, there is. But nobody's thinking about the playoffs at this point in time. The Mercenary League being what it is, is looking at players going out there right now, whether you're a veteran or not, and staking your claim on whether you want to be here next year or you want to be somewhere else. It's a mercenary league. You're going to go out. You're going to ball out for yourself, first and foremost, and for your family. That's what you're going to do. And that might yield another year here or even an extension, a longer situation here, or you're going somewhere else. But either way, you got to show it now in five games. That's what you got. I honestly expect for this version of the Arizona Cardinals, with their offensive line being what it is, this version, I expect to see the best version of it well, over we're, the next five games. We're going to know on Monday what we're getting for the final five games because if you were going to check out as a team or if you were going to lose some of your edge, it would be coming off a bye week. You think they went into the bye week knowing that they're not going to make the playoffs. So if you were ever going to have that sort of slippage, we would see it on Monday. I don't think we're going to. I think we're going to see them at home. <laughs> I know they'll have a good record at home, but I think we're going to see the requisite intensity. Maybe it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots coming to town or whatever. But if you're ever going to see a team like start to kind of check out, we'll know on Monday. Uh, all week, this week, listen for the Pantera call-out. Once you hear Wolf do the call-out, dial 602-260-9870 for your chance to win tickets to see Metallica with Pantera. Tara at State Farm Stadium on September 1st. We come back. It was a wild week around the world of sports. We're going to get you caught up on all of it with our work week wrap-up next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, it is time for the work week wrap-up. Wolf, are you ready for the week to be over? No. <laughs> really? You want to do another hour? Yeah, I'm sure it burns right. a gamble. Let's go. <laughs> Let it roll. <laughs> feels like, I don't know, feels like things got a little wacky in the last hour or so. All right, on to, uh, let's start with Monday. 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 Oh, wow, let's start here. The Suns lost to Dallas. I'm not going to say anything else about this. Difference of one second between the game clock and the shot clock. Doncic's going to try a step back three and hit it over campaign. And then shake his head as he looks at campaign going back on defense. Wow, what a horrible way to start the week. Yeah, thank you, John. Appreciate that. Had to actually give us the fact that Doncic was looking at campaign as well. The underrated like high points of the week was uh, at the end of that Dallas game. Bloom just casually sliding in there. Hey, Dallas with the win over the Suns for the first time in three years in the regular season. He just made sure to slide that in there. Uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming back to beat New Orleans on Monday Night Football. Here's Todd Bowles. Great job. Great execution. You know, seems like we can only score the last part of the ball game. Uh, we sputtered around a couple quarters, but uh, the 
leadership Tom showed. The receivers did a great job, every one of them. Running backs, Rashad and Lenny. Uh, the O-line got the job done, and, you know, Cade played well. They did good in the last part of the game. I will be interested in any outcome to this football season, Wolf, except Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, I'm willing to abide that. Okay. By the way, Todd Bowles, execution, execution, execution. That's what it's all about, players. Uh, still on Monday, Coyotes lose 3-2 to the Flames, and we'll get our, our Heisman Trophy finalists, Stetson Bennett of Georgia, Caleb Williams of USC, Max Duggan of TCU, and C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Here's Booger McFarland. I think if you look at what he did with that USC team, let's face it, their defense wasn't very good. They had a team full of transfers. This quarterback came together with the head coach, Lincoln Riley, 37 touchdowns passing, another 10 touchdowns rushing, galvanizing that team, and as Robert said, they almost won a Pac-12 championship. He's talking about Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is going to win, right? The the odds, the last time I saw it, was like minus 2,000 that he's going to win. I get that they did not ultimately beat Utah, but I would assume it's him. Oh, no, we'll put the hat on backwards. <laughs> All right, on to Tuesday. Anything you got goes. command and control the rest. Why, why is your hat not uh, on backwards? I always put it on backwards for the last beautiful part of the program, and I said because I'm asleep after eating the lobster roll. <laughs> Those lobster rolls really changed all oh of our lives. Oh, my goodness. I had never had one before so today. good. It was it's amazing. Still, I can taste it. I don't like. Wanna, I just took a bite of it. I don't want to eat anything else anymore. Just lobster rolls. How, how have I gone this long in life and not even known that those were a thing? <laughs> what? On, Stop I it! I didn't know what they were. Come on. On the Tuesday. 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 Zach Ertz named the Cardinal, Cardinals Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Obviously, it's an honor uh, to receive this nomination uh, to be the Arizona Cardinals Man of the Year. Um, something that we don't take lightly. Obviously, Walter Payton was a phenomenal player, but more importantly, he was a phenomenal human. Yeah, he was, man. Had the honor of actually getting to know Walter Payton and having a locker next to his for not one but two Pro Bowls. What an awesome thing that was. That's pretty cool. Uh, Adam Schefter on why the Tennessee Titans, the first place Tennessee Titans, who were the number one seed in the AFC last year and won the division the year before that, too. Why they decided to just abruptly fire their GM. Now, a lot of people around the league have called up and asked all day long, wondering if there's something more to this, if something happened. And I've been told that that's not the case, that this is a simple decision of the owner wanting to go in a different direction. Still weird. Middle of the season. Yeah. It's weird. I am totally distracted because you've got the Netherlands and Argentina squaring off up here. Was this an actual fight? In the World Cup, and the entire bench just ran off the sideline and attacked some dude wearing orange. <laughs> some dude was, was it a player for the Netherlands, or was it just a dude wearing orange? No, it was a dude, man. Now, that is incredible. Proceed, look. I thought you were going to say you were distracted by the I've dogs. never seen that. Dogs catching Frisbees on the ITV. No. <laughs> uh, all right, some updates from Cliff Kingsbury, some injury updates. He said a lot of guys might play or might not play. Uh, Sean McVay talking about Baker Mayfield. And again, this was Tuesday. They just claimed Baker Mayfield. Hey, Sean, there's no way Baker Mayfield would play on Thursday, right? I would lean towards that he'll be active. Now, whether or not that means that he would play or he would be available in an emergency setting is something that we're going to continue to work through. Ah, 
<laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday, the Yankees <laughs> and my Aaron Judge agreeing to a nine-year, $360 million deal. Here's Buster Olney. Aaron Judge had more <laughs> leverage than any player in the history of that franchise. More than Babe Ruth, more than Joe DiMaggio, more than Reggie Jackson, more than Derek Jeter. There is like a legit brawl in the soccer game with yeah. a minute left before their 75 minutes of extra time. You know, once again, this is what happens. You roll the ball out onto the pitch and suddenly it's our country, our way of life, our people, everything is better than you. And we're going to prove it right here. <laughs> um, let's see. Von Miller, surgery for an ACL tear. He's done for the year. Chris Paul, back to the Suns lineup. Feel pretty good. Um, you know, I'm going to see how I feel after this. You know what I mean? And go from there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan on the talk that Jimmy Garoppolo might come back. He kind of shot that down. It'll be a big recovery, um, but much less than what we anticipated, which is awesome news for him in the offseason. He'll be good to go right away, so it won't be like last year. Um, really, I mean, there's that way outside chance, you know, late in the playoffs or something like that, but um, it's just an outside chance. I'm not really real optimistic about that, but they didn't rule it out. You know, to me, I think he's done, and the reason why I say that is because can you imagine if they get that far into the playoffs where whoever's playing quarterback for him, Brock Purdy, is playing that well, would you really make a change yeah. at that point in time? That's, that's a really good point, actually. You would not make a change. If you're still in it, it's not like Jimmy G is Patrick Mahomes. How long is How many times has Kyle Shanahan been asked if he even wants Jimmy G? Correct. And now it's like, oh yeah, when's he coming back? Uh, Wednesday, Suns lose to the Celtics 125-98. At the exact same time, the Coyotes were losing to the Oilers 8-2. It was a great night. ASU beat SMU, though, at least we go to Thursday. Thursday. Thursday, Brittany Griner freed from Russian detention. Here's the WNBA commissioner. Grateful to the administration, the State Department. I was personally emotional at today's events because you never know until the end. Really grateful today. It's a great day. We look forward to PG having her time and space and recovering from this whole awful ordeal. Uh, Zach Ertz let everybody know it was a torn ACL and MCL. And then last night, Wolf, the Rams come back and win courtesy of Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield! Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, um, I don't know if you can write it any better than that. Obviously, we'd like to be a little bit more stress-free, but um, it's, it's a pretty damn good story, I'll be honest with you. So it's uh, it's special. He is. He's right about that, man. Yeah. He is right. Listen, if Disney recreated that and put that into a movie, we'd all, <laughs> this is crazy we'd all laugh Disney. our butts off about that. Uh, according to our own Gambo, Emery Jones entering the transfer portal Friday into Friday. MLB Network's John Heyman reporting that the D-backs among five teams looking at Evan Longoria or Justin Turner. So think about that this weekend. And the Coyotes are finally home tonight for the first time in like a month and a half. <laughs> Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gabo next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace. 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 Pe